Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. The countdown is nearly complete. 26 squads will soon come together in Guernsey to compete in the men's and women's tournaments at the Island Games. And quite frankly, we can't wait. Coming up on this full Guernsey 2023 football preview, we'll hear from both home managers, Tony Vance and Anna Govine. We'll check in with Jersey men's coach, Elliot Powell. We'll also find out how the Isle of Man are shaping up on both fronts. We'll speak to the coach of Bermuda's men back in the Island Games for the first time since they hosted in 2013. We've got a full interview with journalist and expert on far-flung football, Paul Watson, to get his thoughts on what the tournament means to some of the teams involved. And if that wasn't enough, we've also been looking back on the remarkable story of Guernsey's men's gold medal 20 years ago. Tony Vance and hat-trick hero in the final, Matt Warren, have been sharing their memories. And it is a great listen. My name is Tony Kerr, and alongside me for this one is the Guernsey Press sports editor, Gareth DePrevo. Hi, Tony. And we've also got the editor here, a fan of proper football, it's James Fowler. I'm exhausted already, Tony. <laughs> From a football perspective, we have to um, somehow revitalise that spirit of 2003, don't we? What, you know, what a unbelievable! I mean, that was an unbelievable week of sport. But the football tournament just kept on, uh, kept on giving right the way to the last minute of the final. And uh, I think it would be fantastic to to have that going again. I think it was the the focal point, the real energy. Uh, you know, um, Exemplified really by that Rhodes uh, game in, in the middle of it all, but yeah, that was what got, what got everybody really engaged. I remember there being uh, there was a, a nightly phone in at some point um, during the uh, Island Games 2003, and uh, yeah, the the calls were were, were logged up um, you know, to talk about that game and stuff. Yeah, so th- these these memories are still uh, hard, you know. Yeah, what what sense do you get of the appetite among the footballing community for this one? I mean, obviously it's the first games since we've had uh, GFC, Bulls and FC Isle of Man. So that, you know, that changes the complexion slightly. There's been a lot of football this season, but do you think this is still as big as it used to be? It's hard to know if people are really going to be engaged with the other sides. I mean, you know, for me, I think it's fantastic that you get a nation like Bermuda come into play. You know, Bermuda with people who've played uh, Premier League, Championship football, etc. Yeah, that would be, I mean, I know they won't be coming this time around, but, you know, you know, big names who've, who've played for Bermuda. This is a great opportunity for Guernsey and our track record in Ireland games football probably since 2003 onwards I mean yeah it's become almost Ireland games almost more important than Marathi's you know if we can't do it in the Marathi we will certainly do it in the Ireland games uh, and I remember 2015 particularly in Jersey after we'd lost the Marathi chucked it away really in Guernsey to go over to Jersey and, and to win it there was a massive statement to say hey you got one you know you got it over on us once in 90 minutes but you know we want to make clear who really are the top dogs in Channel Island football. And that's the statement that they made. And I think everybody will be hoping that that, that could be repeated again this time around. Yeah, you say if we can't do it than Ratty. Well, we couldn't do it than Ratty this year, of course. Um, uh, going back a few weeks now, long forgotten, but I'm sure still kind of rankling and, and still um, right at the top of the uh, the motivational uh, speeches that have been given to the Guernsey squad. Um, I mean, Gareth, do you think there's a, a bit of pressure on Tony Vance and his squad to... Well, to at least get themselves into contention here off the back of uh, what happened in May. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, it's a home games. Everyone remembers what happened at the last home games in terms of football. Certainly, Vancey does perhaps better than anyone. He was involved as a player, sort of slash coach in that, that year, as it turned out. Um, he knows how big this one would be just for Guernsey football. If they could come away with another gold medal on home soil, 
it would be absolutely huge. Um, it's going to be very difficult to do that. Um, sort of having a quick glance back at some of the photos from 2003, we had a hell of a squad, actually. Some, some very talented guys in that um, in that team. Um, but yeah, it's it. It I, I do get the impression that this one has been sort of on the radar of a lot of people for a long time, not just sort of Vancey. Um, obviously, he wasn't actually named as coach until relatively recently, although I'd suggest most of us imagined he was going to do it for many years, to be honest. Um, but also just, you know, the guys who are perhaps having a swan song, Ross Allen, people like that, um, I think they've been targeting this one for, for many months now, if not years. And um, they'll be certainly ready to go. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's pretty much a do or die. Certainly the way the, the group pans out and um, having to top the group to get through is is uh, is going to be a tall order. But uh, fingers crossed it's one we can achieve. Well, let's hear from the Guernsey men's manager now. Tony Vance has been speaking to us ahead of the Games. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll set the scene probably a week ago after the Marathi where we left them for a bit. Um, we had a, a debrief, a sort of you know, go on, open open up and say what you like type thing from the players. They said a few comments, which is fair. Some were hindsight and a lot of, you know, a lot of those things always are. Uh, but um, what we did at the end of it, after a bit of sort of soul searching and sort of, you know, taking a few um, things on the chin, because um, ultimately the idea of that sort of soul searching was, like I've sort of hinted at before, um, is that these group of players are about to go into the biggest sort of situation of their sort of footballing careers, I, I would say, and, and obviously been part of it before. I've, I've, I've seen that. I know they've all had, you know, some fantastic moments, but um, none of them experience the home island games. When the pressure's on and the emotion is there and, the, and expectations are, are huge, uh, and can go one of two ways. So, and we weren't exactly starting in a very good position, losing Amrati very poorly. Uh, so there was some soul searching, finished off by basically pretty much, I wouldn't say forcing the players, but sort of asking them to say, did they think they were fitter than Jersey? Do you think they were physically stronger than Jersey? And do you think they were technically better than Jersey and Amrati? And not one of them could look me in the eye and tell me yes to any of those questions. So that was our starting point is Jersey is stronger than us, fitter than us and better than us. So they kind of cooked their goose a little bit <laughs> because training then started two days later and uh, there was going to be that. That's our starting point. You know, we've got to get back. We've got to get at least on a level playing field with Jersey. Um, if not be better than them. That, that's obviously the, the the right scenario, and uh, fortunately, I said to him, I said the problem you've got is you've got Colin Fallace, who is um, burst into the scenes at the moment and uh, wants to have a crack at you all. <laughs> so uh, there's going to be some challenges put ahead, and 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 we did, you know, we challenged him the first couple of weeks. To be honest, with you they weren't getting it, and um, it wasn't what I wanted. So we had a little chat about it, and since then they've proper stepped up um, we're in a much better shape and position than we were that's for sure uh, whether it's enough time will tell um, I'm not going to give out any false promises but we're in a, a much better condition than what we were and and you know for, you know a couple of weeks ago I was I was concerned but um, 
Um, I'm a little bit more confident, but uh, we've still got a few more weeks to go where we've got to push a few more buttons yet. And uh, let's see where it takes us. And you've got James Hamon back involved um, for the for the week. Um, you've got some players who didn't feature a huge amount, I suppose, in the season with Gypsy, someone like Charlton Govine, who came back in and, and presumably now has had a bit more, um, or has got a bit more in his legs. Um, do, do you feel like, as you say, you've, you've had the right response and you've got the squad now that can, can get into that, well, I suppose, get into the medal contention and, and maybe even that final? Yeah, I think um, if I use Charlton as an example, he... You know, and of course, I picked him. Uh, he's he's our best player, but he wasn't fit. He could only was only capable of sixty minutes, and uh, in the Marathi. So you know, and obviously, I I took a chance on him. Took a chance on Jamie Dodd, who likewise could only do sixty minutes. And uh, okay, it worked for forty five minutes, but um, you know that in itself is a concern because you're going into a tournament where they've got to play potentially five games in six days. So Charlton has had to put some serious work in. He's he's not he's not ready yet, that's for sure, but he's in a far better position and condition than he was. Uh you know, obviously the the island the, the Marathi came too soon for him after his operation. We were lucky to kind of have him for a bit. It didn't didn't unfortunately work on the day. But um he will be without a doubt one of our go to players. Uh, the one thing when you play tournaments, you can, you've got a squad, you've got to use your squad, but you will always rely on five or six sort of X factor players, I call them, and you know players that are going to get you over the line. Like in two thousand and three, Moza turned up on on final day and and got a hat trick for us, you know, and and you need that. Um, we've got a few that can do that for us, so it's important that we we uh, utilize those as best we can in in each game. Um, but you can't you can't flog them to death, and uh, so the group will be massively important to us. But people like Charlton, Hammy, and Goal, obviously Josh has had a great season for us. Um, Jason has been Jason Martin has been in and around as well, and has, has sort of put pressure on Josh, who's, who's sort of became our number one for GFC. But but Hammy is, you know, he's playing national league. <laughs> he's um, you know he's a Guernsey boy. He wanted to play. In the Island Games, he's travelled over to train. Um, so, uh, and just just when he trains, you can see the level he's playing at, um, and he's dragging people up um, as well. So, uh, you know that again, he he becomes an X factor player for us. You know, he could, he could be the difference in us getting out of the group. He could be the difference with with getting a medal or a colour of a medal. So, um, you got to rely on those those sort of X factor group and. Um, you know, as I said, that that's hopefully will be will get us through. And just finally, um, what does the week look like for you guys as a squad? Will you be together all day, every day? Yeah, so we we've got a sort of a, a base that we're going to um, be stuck at. Uh, you know, we would prepare in the right way. We would, you know, I've, I've done Island Games before in terms of Marathi's. Uh, sorry, in terms of um, uh, playing and coaching. So. Uh, Okay, and obviously Fowl's got huge experience. We've got all the team around us that that know how to recover, prepare. Um, you know, so we'll do all the bits we need to do, and hopefully the games will um, will go the right way. Uh, you know, we need the support. There's no doubt about it, and um, that that you know we have to generate that ourselves as well. So um, yeah, we'd, I mean we'll be together and and um, doing everything we can to be in the right. Um, shape 
and uh, conditioned to approach each game and we'll have to take risks as well with us with um with with who we play against we'll, we'll be doing our research we've got i've got a team of people going around scouting and and watching any any scenario and we'll be using all the tools we can to try and give ourselves the best opportunity Tony Vance um, speaking to me there. Um, let's just recap the groups then, because Guernsey's men uh, in Group A alongside Western Isles, Orland and Isle of Wight. Uh, in Group B, it's the Isle of Man, Innismon, uh, the Falklands and the Shetland Islands. Group C, Greenland, Bermuda, Froyer and Orkney. And then in Group D, Menorca, Jersey, Newboys, Gozo and St. Helena. Um, all of Guernsey's matches in those group stages are at the track. Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, um, all of them 6.30 kickoff. Um, yeah, and Jim, the way the uh, the cookies crumbled with these groups, it sets up potentially uh, a very interesting semi-final. And that would be absolutely massive. I mean, and I think, frankly, trumping uh, any Marathi of recent times. You know, you think what you're going to get is Guernsey Jersey in a semi-final with you know with the added pressure that a semi-final brings, arguably more so than a final uh, at the track. You know, back at the track, which would be unusual, uh, free to get in. Uh, and so I suspect, I mean, did, you know, didn't they say there was perhaps four, five, six thousand at, at some of the football games in 2003? You could easily get that kind of crowd, you know, people four, five, ten deep in, in places around the track. That would be quite something. Uh, and But the pressure on that game would be absolutely enormous because to, you know, to get into the final, fantastic. Again, the momentum would, would continue. To not get into the final would be an utter disaster. You know, arguably much worse than losing a Marathi to lose a semi-final. Oh, I'm getting nervous already. Um, yeah, Guernsey's men start against the Western Isles on the Sunday, as I say, 6.30 kickoff. Um, let's turn our attention um, to Guernsey's women now. Um, they're in Group C of that tournament alongside Innismon and Western Isles. Group B, the other with three teams in, the Isle of Man, Isle of Wight, Menorca and Jersey are in Group A alongside Bermuda, Hitra and Orland, the only four-team group. Um, Jim, let me come back to you because you were kind of heavily involved in, in women's football in Guernsey a few years ago. This home island games was kind of the the target wasn't it the uh the long-term target that was set ages ago it's been a bumpy ride to get here but um it seems like they've been really knuckling down the squad under the guidance of Anna Govine and Katie Watson who took over just before the Marathi um yeah it seems like things are moving in the right direction they haven't had much time but do you have uh, confidence that they've been able to pull this one together yeah 2021 uh initially was was the vision that was that that was the project um uh, and it you know, the, the squad was well supported by Morant um through that through that process and through to today so uh, it's been I think is you know the momentum has been relatively rapid over a pretty short period but you know the inspiration of playing better than I think they perhaps expected in, in the Marathi will, will be strong um I'm kind of torn about whether to be in a group of three is better than being a group of four because to be honest I would have you know, liked to see Guernsey play the extra game however you know, you know the the toll that the, the tournament takes uh, on players. So maybe it's just it's absolutely you know there's no room for error in a three team group, is there? And if you want to say you know the aim is to get out of the group, which was always the, the stated aim, I really hope that they can still achieve that. But you know it's going to require 
two significant performances in it. But then after that, you're looking at a semi-final and, uh, and that will be absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, we wish them all the best. Yeah, Guernsey's women start against Innismon on the Monday, a 2.30 kickoff. Um, uh, Western Isles, the opposition on the Tuesday at the same time. Both of those at the Corbett Field. Um, so be hoping for plenty of support down there. Uh, well, let's hear what their coach has had to say ahead of the games. I caught up with Anna Govine. Straight away after the Marathi, we got the whole squad together and we had a look back at the footage of the Marathi and, and spoke to the girls about things that we want to work on um, and strengthen in certain areas. Um, so they started to take that on board. We focused a lot on their fitness and looking after themselves. Um, we've had people come in and help with that. So um, it's been really good for them to have a different voice um, and different different views, really, and helping Katie and I as coaches. You know, fitness and nutrition and things aren't our forte. So it's been great to have some input with that as well. Yeah, great stuff. And and for you personally, obviously, you sort of were parachuted in uh, quite late before that Marathi and it, it, you, you sort of couldn't have taken over this role at a busier time, really, or, or, or kind of more intense time, I imagine. Um, how are you finding the experience so far? Yeah, I mean, it has been intense, um, but in a way that's probably the best way to get on and get involved because we've had lots to look forward to. Um, we managed to secure some fixtures in the UK a couple of weeks ago, so we took the whole squad over um, in the Southampton area and we played three fixtures in two days. So um, that was massive for the girls, first of all, to get away as a squad, um, but you know, second of all, seeing them all play trying different things in different matches um, and making sure that we we saw every player have some game time. Um, so again, we, we took footage of that and now we've been able to review that with the girls and, um, you know, they're learning all the time and but they're taking it on board, which is the main thing. So, How much do you know about the opposition you're going to come up against? You're, you're in Group C um, alongside Innismon and the Western Isles. Uh, have you been able to do a little bit of research? Uh, we've had a look around uh, on good old internet, but <laughs> apart from that, we can only really go on previous games. Um, so looking back in Jersey, uh, we actually played both Innisbon and Western Isles. Uh, we got a result against Innisbon, but um, Western Isles was a, a little bit of a tougher game. But um, we're going to set up how we want to play. Um, it will be a challenge. Both games will bring different challenges for the girls um, and that's what the game is all about so yeah whilst we'd like to see a little bit of the other teams it's you know it's great for the girls to learn on the spot really and and just relish the, the challenge yeah brilliant and who do you see as the favorites for for the gold medal obviously jersey um, have done so well in recent years. Um, Isle of Man in Group B as well. No, Gotland this year, um, who, who uh, have won gold in, in recent years as well. Um, yeah, where do you see the biggest challenge in terms of the tournament as a whole? Um, well, our, our challenge is to get out of our group. So playing in Ismon and Western Isles, those are our first two challenges. Um, after that, yeah, you, you're going to be up against the likes of Jersey and Isle of Man, as you say. Um, you know, Jersey have one gold medal um, I'm sure they'll be looking to, to retain that and um, Isle of Man will be strong as well but you know the Marathi showed that whilst there may be a level above um, anything can happen in a, a one-off match and if we get through to, to play one of those teams then 
it will be absolutely fantastic for the girls and why not put yourselves up against the best that's that's there in the in the competition but yeah yeah there are some really strong teams but um hopefully we can try and do something against them if we get the chance what what does the week look like um uh, as far as kind of squad unity is concerned will you will you have the whole group together for the the full days uh yeah that's the message that we've put out um to the group whilst we're not away from home um we want everyone to stick together you know saturday is the opening ceremony so we'll all be there for that um soak in some of the atmosphere some of the girls it's their first games um sunday uh, we'll have a light session probably a team meeting and things and perhaps go and watch some of the other fixtures but yeah monday and tuesday will be full-on um with the matches but yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll, we'll continue to stick together and see the week out. Anna Govine speaking to me there. Um, now, uh, of course, it's been six years since the last kind of proper Island Games football tournament. Um, there was that um, sort of substitute uh, competition that was held in Innismon in 2019 when football was left off the schedule for Gibraltar. Um, but going back to 2017 in Gotland, it was the Isle of Man who had the, the best of it. Um, they took gold in the men's competition and silver in the women's. Uh, a very successful week for them there. And uh be very interesting to see how they shape up um, sort of six years on. A lot's changed um, in Ireland football over there. As I mentioned at the top, um, the emergence or the, the formation of FC Isle of Man uh, has changed the complexion there. So uh, to find out a bit more about how things are looking uh, up in the Isle of Man and how they're feeling ahead of the games, I caught up with the general team manager for the two football teams, Sean Gritton. We could probably start with the men first. So yeah, the men have been doing a lot of training this this year. Um, they haven't been off Ireland to play any games, but they did have a training game against a team called AFC Carnforth, who came over from Lancashire. Uh, it was a comfortable 3-0 win, but it was just more, it was it was just a good chance for the lads to play a different type of football and a team that were very well organised, so that went really well for them. Um, they've got two training games against FC Isle of Man coming up. So FC Isle of Man, of course, have started their pre-season for the Northwest Counties. So they've got a game on Saturday and a following game on Tuesday. So that's uh, that's a great opportunity for both teams just to, to get started. So needless to say, we've just got our fingers crossed that there's no injuries. This yeah. is the thing. So is there much crossover between the two squads then? Or is it quite, a, I mean, has the, um, the, the, the emergence of FC Isle of Man, has that changed the kind of, changed the, the game a bit in terms of who you're able to pick for Island Games? So, yeah, so it's, this has been a, it's been an interesting conversation. So I know Jersey and Guernsey have had the same with Guernsey FC and Jersey Bulls, of course. But uh, we kind of decided at the outset that because of the commitment of FC Isle of Man, that we wouldn't be just saying we'll take the FC Isle of Man team as the Ireland side. It just So what it has done is it's given an opportunity for a lot of the lads who are still in the local leagues, who've chosen, either chosen not to play for FC Isle of Man or haven't been picked. Um, and it's been a great opportunity for, for Blaine to bring a group of lads together, work with them the last 18 months. And um, we have, it's interesting though, maybe because he have been doing quite well. We've just, eight or nine of them are actually training with FC Alaman at the moment. A couple of them have just been brought in. 
So there is a bit, there's an element of crossover, but primarily we were not picking the FC out of man squad. And that was, that was a conscious decision by Blaine. And it was just, I think, just so we could work with a group of interviews and give some people a, a new opportunity as well, who perhaps would never think, oh, well, I'll never play for the island because such and such is playing. And um, so it's, it's been good, but we've always had good links with FC out of man with the training games coming up. And um, we tried to work together, especially coming up to the island games that, uh, that they, you know, that the focus is definitely on those lads who are playing for the in Guernsey that they get the opportunity to train with, you know, with Blaine. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting because of course this is the first games when we've had a club side in, in the, you know, in, in the in the pyramid as well. For those players that are involved, I mean, how big is it for them? I mean, is the Island Games still a big deal to to football in the Island Man? Very much so, yeah. Now, as, as I've already said earlier, we don't have the same number of island gay, um, island rep opportunities. So this is a key one for us, you know, and it, every two years, especially for the girls, I think, is because they have even less uh, football available to them. So now this, this is the prime one. This is the one that we've been gearing up for. For, it seems an eternity, of course, with COVID. Uh, they, you know, we're, we're two years delayed playing in Guernsey. Um, but no, both the lads and the girls really can't wait for the opportunity. It's A lot of them, it's their first games. So it's going to be a great experience for them. But we do have both in both squads, people that have played in Gotland and in and Anglesey, which will help certainly. You mentioned Anglesey there. There was the tournament, of course, in, in 2019 when the football wasn't in um, wasn't in Gibraltar, um, but going yeah. back uh, a couple of years before that to to Gotland, and it, yeah, it was a fantastic, um, fantastic week for for your sides. Um, the men topping the podium uh, with gold, and 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 the women winning silver. Um, what is the, uh, the the hope and aim going into Guernsey? Yeah, so it's higher. Absolutely, if you think about that, you look. That was our most successful games ever. The men have never won the gold medal before. And the women have only won a bronze. So, of course, I guess in all our aspirations, you know, that was much more than what we'd hoped for. The men had always been getting better and better. And um, they played Guernsey, of course, in an amazing semi-final. Um, but Guernsey did get their revenge in 2019, which is interesting in, in that in that semi-final. So, you know, so it will be interesting. We may meet the Guernsey, of course, depending on the tournament goes on. Um, but yeah, and the girls. The girls in, in Gotland just ran out of steam is the best way of describing it. They had some big, big games and it was just one step too far. But so but I know I think certainly our aspirations, we, we the girls I think are a stronger squad from what we've had in Gotland. And um, the the fitness is better as well. I think that that's my hope. Uh, from what I'm hearing and what I've know they've put a lot more into it because it's you know, and I know, playing five or four games in a week is is a big, big toil on any squad, even if you bring in twenty players. And um, the men's going to be the unknown one because of the FC Alaman element. But looking at the teams that are playing, we've played Falkland Islands before. We played the Shetland Islands, actually both in Gotland, which is interesting. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm I'm optimistic that we can get out of that group, and then it it really is just you know how you play in the semi-finals. And um, but the women. Yeah, I've I've got very high hopes for the women this time round. Personally, I've I've seen them progress. I've seen them moving forward, and um, they've got a really good mix of a lot of youth, but some good experience there as well. So yeah, no, we're we're still positive and optimistic that we can get both of them through. And then it's just, yeah, there's a bit of luck needed as well, of course. Yeah, absolutely. The women uh, in a group with the Isle of Wight, Menorca, um, is yeah. that is that a tough? Uh... 
a tough couple of teams, yeah, do you think? Menorca's the unknown one. I don't think we've played Menorca for some time. Um, Isle of Wight, we've had some real ding-dong games against them in the past. Um, we, um, I think if you if you look at it, in the Gotland games, we beat the Isle of Wight in the semi-final. So they are familiar to us. And we've always had, I think, even as earlier games, there's, there's been tip for tap, really. There's been some good performances on both sides, but we can't fear anybody. I think that's what you've got to do. And and we will be marked as, you know, the men being the current holders and the women getting to the final last time. But we did win, the women did win the Innisman tournament. So, in, and played Innisman in the final. So they've 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 played in a final and they've won it. So hopefully they can bring a little a little bit of that in, into Guernsey as well. It's going to be tough because we know certainly in the men's side of it, we know Guernsey will be as as strong as ever. We know Jersey, of course, because the rivalry between the two islands. I'm sure they'll be loving the opportunity to to do well in Guernsey as well. And um, so we'll just have to see. But no, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic with both teams that we can certainly progress. We're just really looking forward to the opportunity. Um, I've not been to Guernsey myself personally, so I'm looking forward to exploring the island when I get a chance. But uh, no, we just can't wait. We just want to. We want to get there. We want to get safely over the plane. We know about the fog between the two islands. <laughs> so, uh, we're just. Uh, we've got a decent. Yeah, we're staying at the Gerbourg down at St Martin's, so it looks like a lovely hotel and a lovely base for for both teams. And um, we're just we're just gearing. We can't wait to go. Great setting down there. So uh, enjoy. Yeah, we'll look forward to having you over. Thank you. Olive Man general football team manager Sean Gritton speaking to me there. Um, yeah, interestingly, the uh, the men uh, up there in the Isle of Man are going to be taking on um, the FC Isle of Man squad uh, in two training matches ahead of the games. Two uh, very much two discrete squads, um, but as we're hearing there, um, yeah, a real chance for some different um, players to kind of put their hand up and, and maybe get themselves into contention for that FC Isle of Man setup as well. Um, so I'm sure they will be highly motivated. Well, let's dance across to the other group now, um, Group D, um, which, as I said, uh, features uh, Menor. Norka Gozo, who are first timers at the Games, St. Helena, um, who are involved on a football pitch at the Island Games proper for the first time. They were there in Innismon in 2019 as well. And Jersey, the other side, who've already enjoyed, of course, um, some success on Guernsey soil this year um, with that uh, narrow um, but comprehensive, I guess, Marathi victory at Footslane um, a few weeks ago. Um, to find out a bit more about what their um, last few weeks have looked like and how they're feeling ahead of the games, I caught up with uh, Jersey's men's manager, Elliot Powell. The end of a long season. So uh, those first couple of weeks, I uh, you know, need to give the lads a bit of a break after the Marathi and there's still a couple of club games to go as well after the Marathi. So... Once that was kind of out of the way, eased into it, um, and the lads, you know, didn't take too, too long to dust off any sort of cobwebs in those first couple of weeks. Um, and then from then on, it's been relatively full on, you know, training Tuesday, Thursday. We've had a couple of friendly games as well, um, just against local kind of sides, like um, combination 11s. Um, a few fitness sessions here and there on a Wednesday morning, which, which Dan, our assistant, has, has organised as well uh, with a local boxing club. So it's been pretty full on, um, kind of three or four times a week, but all the lads are really, really committed, so it's, it's been pretty pretty easy to get them up for it as well. Um, the only thing, obviously, with summer holidays and stuff, you get like those natural kind of periods where lads are away for a week or then they, they jump back in. So it's mi- kind of mismatching it all together. Um, I think coming into these last couple of weeks, 99% of people are on island now for the rest of the session. So um, hopefully we get a couple of weeks of, of real head down and, and no injuries and then get ourselves to Guernsey. 
Yeah, great stuff. And and for you as a, a still relatively young coach and definitely a young coach in terms of, of this uh, sort of level of local football, of, of rep football, it must be so exciting to, to uh, possibly slightly daunting as well for your first assignment to be in Island Games and a, a kind of tournament to, to get your teeth into. Yeah, um, I think, you know, you interviewed me before, my, before I took the St. Peter's role as well and, and that word daunting came up. And again, it's not, it's not particularly daunting. Um, ultimately, you're just coaching football, so there's definitely harder jobs in the world than and coach of football so um no i'm really really looking forward to it you know excited definitely um optimistic as well i think we've not had a great record in island games so there's not um it's not a massive expectation to kind of live up to if anything there's just opportunity really i think the lads can sense that as well i think we've gone out the last two games on goal difference um so whilst we've been there or thereabouts ultimately we haven't quite got across the line so we're hoping and i'm fully expecting as well that we get out of the group you know i think we've got a really really good chance i think potentially the draw looks at maybe an intervention of semi-final as well so it's pretty easy to motivate the lads to, to get through that group get that game against guernsey and, and see where we go from there yeah i'm sure obviously you'll be well aware you know of guernsey and and with, with guernsey's host as well they'll be you know they'll be gunning for a, a good result but in terms of the other islands involved i mean have you done any research do you know much about who you're going to be coming up against yeah, I mean, it's tough, isn't it? You're absolutely trawling through YouTube trying to find anything you can. Um, so I've watched a fair few goals of the Goals of Football League, uh, which actually looks like a really class setup, to be fair. I think they've only got kind of the one main pitch, so they've got about four or five cameras, so it looks like Sky Sports coverage when you watch it back, um, which, is, which is really, really good. Um, again, that's from a couple of years ago now, so trying to find clips of them. They look technically really, really proficient. Um, Menorca has been difficult to find anything off, so we're, we're kind of going off. Uh, it's actually, I think it's seven years, to, uh, six years to the day, sorry, that they played Menorca the last time, Jersey. It was a 3 3 draw. So actually trying to find anything from that point onwards is, was really difficult as well. And then St. Helena is just an absolute unknown. You can't find a single thing about them. So um, not the easiest group to prepare for, I suspect, um, with Gozo's first time as well. There's just there's no kind of history to go off there either. So. Yeah, um, we've done as much as we can do. I think ultimately when, it, when you're in that position, you just have to, the cliche, but just focus on yourself. And, and that's what our lads have done. We've, we've recorded our two games that we've had, um, we've gone through, we've sat through them in kind of classroom sessions before training as well. Um, if you can't find anything about the opposition, you just need to make sure you know your roles and responsibilities. And I hope that the, the lads are kind of there or thereabouts now. Yeah, I'd like the guys in Guernsey, you know, for, for the bulk of the, well, so the, the Bulls players are involved in your squad. Um, you know, they've got so much football now and so much footballing opportunity, I guess, off island. But do you get a sense that there's still a big buzz about the island games? I mean, it's obviously been a few years since we've had one. Is it still the big event that it used to be? Yeah, definitely. I think all, you know, all of our Bulls lads, and they're fortunate to be playing away in the UK, um, obviously as regularly as they are, but there's a different buzz putting on a jersey shirt. Um, and I think is that fresh opportunity as well. Some lads might be out of favour with the Bulls, but then they've got their opportunity with myself and, and my coaching team. Um, and it is a completely different environment. I think the, the lads would say that as well. And that doesn't mean that one's better than the other, but I think it's a fresh kind of approach to things. I'd, I'd like to think that at 25, I'm bringing some new ideas to the party and not just um, kind of what has been done for a couple of seasons now, maybe elsewhere. So, yes, there's definitely a buzz. Everyone's absolutely you know, eager to, put, to be in the squad and, and we've, we've been really, really fortunate. The competition for places have been so high. So the, the standard's gone through the roof as well. And ultimately, there's nothing better than representing your island. And if that opportunity to win, win a medal in Guernsey comes across, then you know, these lads will remember it for a long, long time. 
Yeah, just finally, obviously, Guernsey topped the podium 2015, eight years ago now. Is that still in the uh, sort of uh, fresh in the mind of some of those players that, that perhaps were involved then and that they want to get uh, get one back? Quite possibly. I think we've got a very, very different squad from that Jersey 2015 games. Um, I mean, you know, I wasn't particularly old either, so I don't uh, don't overly remember it either. But you know, we've got a really new look squad. I think within that we've got a lot of Bulls players, but even those Bulls players kind of, You've got the Kerrys, Watsons, Campbells that are slightly older, um, Trotter maybe the next alongside JJRs. But then after that, it's a, it's a really, really young squad. Um, so that we're not, potentially, we're not potentially scarred by previous events. That does obviously mean we don't have um, maybe that big tournament experience. But then these lads have played in the, the Nations Cup. They've, played, they've represented Jersey at St. George's Park. They've gone away and represented England as well. So whilst we maybe don't have that Island Games experience, I think that's quite a helpful thing at this point that we don't have kind of the scars of previous tournaments. So... Um, yeah, we're really, really looking forward to it. Obviously, Guernsey is going to be you know, bang up there as favourites. And I think Tony, Tony kind of laid his stool out, didn't he, after the Marathi with what he was expecting of, of their guys. So I'm, I'm fully anticipating that they'll be, they'll be coming at it with a kitchen sink. And um, I think for, for Guernsey on home turf, again, pretty easy job for, for Tony to motivate his lads as well. Elliot Powell, uh, Jersey's um, new manager, um, speaking to me there. Um, yeah, still quite young, obviously 25 years old, leading uh, the side there. And uh, Jersey with, yeah, whilst a very good Marathi record uh, over the last decade or so, um, a very poor record in the Island Games. Um, so they'll be wanting to put that one right. And uh, they've had a bit of a boost uh, up front going into this one, Jim. Yeah, so as, as new breaking news today, uh, they, uh, Sol Solomon there, for, you know, was their star, young star striker um, who went off to Marine uh, in uh, nor- northwest of England um, at the beginning of this past season is uh, going to play for Jersey. I think there was an issue about whether they wondered if he was eligible or not being under contract, but of course that's not really an issue in Ireland games. And um, yeah, so Marine have agreed to release him for the summer, so uh, he is uh, he is going to be in the squad, which will be interesting. Um, Elliot, uh, of course, you know, impressive young manager, but not least in his credentials, he's a big fan of this podcast, so uh, no doubt he'll be listening intently and perhaps even uh, trying to get insights on on the opposition, just like he was from uh, uh, about Rovers in our in our Prio squad coverage over the season. So <laughs> up the cross keys, I guess you should say for them. Um, Gareth, do you make them? Well, as we said, we don't know an awful lot about a lot of the teams coming, but do you make them favourites at this point? Um, it, it's hard to say, Tony. I, I think they have to be considered as very strong medal contenders. Um, looking at their group, you'd have thought it, was, it could be quite tough. I mean, Gozo, just nobody knows how good they will be, but you'd imagine sort of a, a Maltese island would be quite pretty sort of handy at football. So I think that would be quite a test for them. And um, Menorca should have um, a fair bit of... Um, ability as well so I think it'd be quite tough for Jersey to get through their group and of course but if they do manage to do that then um, they'll be pretty well battled hardened and um, tough to overcome in the knockout stages I would have thought. A Jersey start against Gozo um, at the Corbett Field on the Sunday afternoon um, so I'm sure uh, a couple of tides will, will probably have their scouts up at that one um, to see how they go. Um, right let's finish off our, our sort of men's preview with a look at one of the sides in Group C um, as 
as I said at the top, that's Greenland, Freuer, Orkney and Bermuda. And uh, Bermuda, the, the side that kind of caught my eye coming back into this one, um, they've only played in the football tournament at two games before. The last one um, was when they hosted in 2013 when they took goal. But I think there were only four teams at that one. Where going. Did you see any of the football when you went over there? Um, I think the final was happening on the pitch next to the athletics track and swimming pool when, when I did turn up for the final night of athletics. So um, I think that was about all I saw. It was about two minutes worth of football over there. There wasn't that much of it going on, to be honest. Well, they haven't been involved since then on the football pitch. Um, but uh, looking forward to this one, um, Jim, as you mentioned uh, at the top, yeah, some uh, high-profile Bermuda players have, have, have kind of uh, risen up uh, the ranks over the years. Um, Nielke yeah, well, Wells, who's at Bristol City, a clubmate of Alex Scott, of course. Sean Gota as well would be uh, legendary if he made a reappearance, uh, even if it was only on the touchline. <laughs> um, well, they're sending a, a development side, an under-23 team uh, to this tournament. Um, Bermuda play uh, at, you know, as a nation themselves in, in FIFA competition. So um, they want to blood some youngsters with a view to uh, sort of developing that side of things. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see how they go. Uh, I caught up with their coach uh, for this tournament, John Newsom, um, to find out a bit more. We're actually in preparations for the Nations League and the CONCACAF um, Nations League. And then, you know, preparations for the, the FIFA World Cup as well and, and trying to get a lot of the younger generation. So we're actually going to be playing with a lot of kids that are under 23s um, as opposed to the, the senior men's team. Um, and really just trying to get them some experience of, of international games, of um, the travel, of, of, you know, how the interaction is. Um, and hopefully preparing them so that a few of them can then start knocking on that door for the senior team. So, so we're, we're really looking forward to kind of new eyes. A lot of these guys are the first time being involved with the, the national program. And so, you know, it's a very interesting time for, for the younger guys in Bermuda. Yeah, it's really interesting, the comparison between you guys and us here, you know, Guernsey, Jersey as well, Isle of Man particularly, yeah. um, who have now got clubs playing in the English leagues. But I'm sure yes. there'll be a few people in all of those islands who are quite envious that, that you guys, um, you know, you compete on the international stage as a nation in your own right, obviously. Um, just just uh, for people who don't know much about, about Bermuda as, as a football nation, just explain, yeah, a bit more about your involvement in the Gold Cup and things like that and, and World Cup qualifying. Yeah, yeah. So um, again, we play in CONCACAF. Um, so a lot of the Caribbean nations, but the, the bigger nations are, you know, USA, Mexico, Canada. Those are the big three. Um, and it's, it's really tough for a lot of the smaller islands to kind of compete with, with those big dogs, if you will say. So the Costa Ricas, um, the Mexicos, those, those guys are, are top quality, obviously, World Cup um, participants most years. And so it's about kind of building. So a lot of our journey has been kind of just continue to try to grow, continue to try to build and, and trying to, you know, kind of raise our level and, and, and beat the competition, I guess, that's around us. But hopefully to start trying to knock on those doors of, of the big boys and, and, you know, see if we can kind of get into the same arena or compete with them. So it's, it's a long journey. It's tough because small island, right? So 60, 61,000 population and, and you're looking for a group of 11 players. Well, these guys are dealing with millions of players that they have at their um, disposal. So it's always been tough. Um, but again, it's just part of trying to grow and trying to build that journey. And how important is football to people in the island? Is you know the, the fact that it is tough for you guys to compete to, to the to the um, you know the islanders in Bermuda? They really stick by you and, and support you. Yeah, so so I, I think Bermuda's football has always been Bermuda's number one sport. So football and cricket are the two big sports. Um, however, I think football is getting a massive boost, especially in the younger generations, because we're seeing a lot of young kids now going over to the UK early and trying to get into academy. So um, Naki Wells is probably our most renowned footballer now. Um, and you're seeing a lot of guys kind of starting to take that journey. Um, Deniche Hill, one of our younger players, actually just signed on with Leicester. Um, so we're seeing some Bermudians start to 
make their name and put their footprints in the UK, which is, you know, allowing a lot of younger players to have that aspiration to say, you know, I can do it as well. Um, so you're seeing a lot of benefits of us being aligned with the UK, similar to you guys and, and kids kind of seeing that as an avenue to, to pursue football. Does that, is that quite a kind of a wrench for, for young players to make the move? Because obviously there's a, a few more miles between you guys and, and the UK than we have. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be, and to be honest, you have a lot of Bermudians. So Bermudians are everywhere, I'll be honest with you. So no matter where you travel, you will find a Bermudian. So give you an example. I went to the UK um, back in March, um, went to Man City uh, Newcastle game. And so literally, as I'm walking in the gate, it's like two Bermudians. Hey, Newsom, how are you doing? Like, and they, they know my father. They don't know me very well. But they pick me up right away. And so Bermudians are everywhere. So um, you actually will see a lot of Bermudians, um, especially south of England, um, residing. And, and families are now taking in kids to say, OK, well, look, we can take in kids that want to pursue and, and, and kind of grow. So it's, it's something that's been building for a while. Yeah, brilliant. And just to come back to the Island Games, as you said, you've got a very young team coming. Um, what kind of aspirations do you have to, to compete for, for medals? Um, of course, I mean, every team wants to compete for medals. So that's, that's kind of the aim to, to one, you know, win your individual battles, two, try to win the game, and then three, try to win um, a medal if you can. So, um, yes, that's one of the goals. Um, we're, we're going to try to compete. But again, a lot of this, this process is trying to build and trying to grow and trying to get these younger guys into the field. So um, we were in the Gold Cup a few years ago, um, which is, you know, playing with the big boys. So we played against Costa Rica's, um, the Mexico's, things like that. Um, and we've kind of fallen far out of it. A big reason was because that generation has now aged out. And so there's a massive gap in between that we're trying to fill. So a lot of these young guys coming on, this is about the experience um, for them, understanding how to play international matches and then getting some more matches under the belts. Um, unlucky for us compared to the other bigger nations in CONCACAF, we don't have as many international fixtures just based on our location. It's very tough um, to organize those. So um, again, these will serve as, as multiple games that we can get some experience with. Fantastic. And I know coaches don't usually like to pick out individuals, but are, are there any young players in your squad that we should be keeping an eye on this summer? To, to be fair, we got a few. Um, um, one of the boys that just actually recently broke into the senior team is, is Jai Bean. So he's um, two caps in now, just just got in. Um, and so he's he's one of our strikers that's been doing really well. He goes to um, Duke University in the United States um, and he's been playing top tier Division One um, collegiate football as well. So he's one of the boys that I'm hoping can have a brilliant tournament and, and kind of get his name seen a little bit. And just for you finally, uh, John, how much are you looking forward to, to coming to Guernsey? What are you expecting from the island and, and from the competition? Uh, so I've heard great things. So um, I have several friends that have been to Guernsey before. They've told me how beautiful it is. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to um, catching some scenery as well as the games as well. So um, and, and plus, we've got a lot of Bermudians coming up for other events. So I'm looking forward to checking out golf, um, tennis. So, so I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of the whole experience. I remember when it was in Bermuda, and I think that small island but Olympic feel was something that I really, really enjoyed and, and going to see the archers when they were um, competing and things like that. So I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to the outside experience of, of the football. So obviously football is priority number one, but um, I'm very interested to see the country. I'm very interested to see the other athletes. And so I think it's going to be a great time and, and I think it's going to be a great experience for a lot of these younger guys, um, some who haven't even been out of the country. So it'll be good for them.
Bermuda coach John Newsom speaking to me there. Um, a safe trip over um, to them and everyone else who's coming over uh, to Guernsey um, to compete in this football tournament and the wider games as, as well, of course. Their teams um, will be arriving from the middle of this week. Uh, now, before we look back at uh, that extraordinary tournament in 2003 and, and particularly um, the kind of unforgettable occasion um, for all the wrong reasons uh, at the Corbett Field in the game between Guernsey's men and Rhodes, um, let's just hear uh, a bit more about the tournament as a whole uh, the Island Games tournament as a whole and what it means um, to the teams involved. I caught up with journalist Paul Watson, um, who's uh, well done and been involved in some pretty extraordinary things himself in football over the years. Um, definitely uh, a kind of a devotee of, of far-flung and niche football. Um, he's managed in uh, yeah, kind of in the Pacific. Um, he's been involved uh, in clubs in Outer Mongolia. Um, he was hoping to be at the Games in Guernsey, um, but is in fact, I think, organising a futsal tournament in Micronesia, uh, as you do, um, which is fantastic. Um, but someone who keeps a close eye uh, on these small nations and, and how they get on. Um, yeah, I wanted to speak to him to find out a bit more about what he knew about some of the other teams and, and why the Island Games is so important to them. Yeah, I, I see the Island Games football tournament as a bit of a, a godsend, really, for some of the more remote islands that are involved. So thinking predominantly of St Helena, Falkland Islands, um, those are the two that spring to mind immediately as places that have absolutely no outlet for competitive football aside from the island games so you know there are some teams within this tournament i think who have you know either the same team or other versions of that team that compete in in other tournaments but there are some for whom this is the only kind of shining light for players to aim at really and i'm really glad it exists because um otherwise they'd be completely isolated in in sports terms yeah, we've got this kind of irony in the tournament this summer with uh, Alderney missing out on the ballot. So, uh, you know, we can, we can pretty much see Alderney from where I'm sitting now. Um, and they won't be here. But yeah, you've got you've got teams coming over, as you say, from from St. Helena, from the Falklands, some, some new teams as well. Gozo um, from next to Malta. Uh, yeah, obviously, I, I saw you sort of got involved on Twitter when, when the ballot happened. Uh, yeah, great shame for Alderney. And you've been there before, of course. Yeah, and I, I was lucky enough to go and see the Marathi semi uh, back in, I think it was 2016 now, it was a while back, and absolutely it always followed Alderney's fortunes or, or sort of misfortunes, I guess, in that, that capacity, the, you know, this huge gap between uh, their last victory and, and today. But it was amazing seeing the, you know, the team and the spirit and the way they fought as underdogs and, and how how competitive those fixtures remain, really, in considering... Uh, the massive sporting advantage that Jersey and Guernsey have and, and, you know, all the exciting things going on in Jersey and Guernsey football-wise and how they're progressing, Alderney don't have those opportunities. So I think it's really amazing they can continue to compete. And, uh, yeah, a real blow not to get that Island Games place. Like, I, I, I do understand, you know, it's kind of an amazing thing that they were oversubscribed and there was probably no nice way to rule a team out. But it feels especially brutal on Alderney. As you say, they'll be a stone's throw away and the Island Games actually represents an opportunity to to win games for them. You know, you put them up against St. Helena, put them up against, you know, Falklands, those kind of teams. Um, you know, uh, probably a few in here. Um, maybe not the, the real top-end teams like Bermuda and Greenland, uh, Isle of Man. But I'm sure, you know, there are teams, Western Isles maybe, where they would have felt they could have got a result. So it's a real shame uh, that they don't get that opportunity. 
Yeah. And, you, and you've done some uh, or been involved in some extraordinary kind of things in football and in some extraordinary places and told those stories so well. Um, is there anything like comparable to the Island Games around the world in terms of football tournaments? I know, obviously, there's the Kanifa project, which kind of offered a sort of taste of that as well. But is there anything elsewhere that, that comes close to, to bringing that sort of that variety of small places together? there's nothing quite the same in terms of like the the scope of it so it's interesting you say that because i yeah i was my first job and and i'm still involved in fact in micronesia which you have really similar problems in a way you have uh islands that are quite isolated that have football projects and they want to send teams off the island to compete but there isn't an outlet for that they're outside of fifa um they can't enter regional competitions and so they the, the biggest problem then is that yeah the young talented athletes have nothing to aspire to there's no kind of peak and pinnacle for them so it's really interesting that the island games um serves that purpose at least for a large part of the world it hasn't it doesn't make sense for oceania i, I don't actually think oceania nations could um get membership into the island Ga- uh, island games association because it's so tough to get in i think but even if they could the distances and the funding needed would be so prohibitive anyway. But so I think it's kind of amazing that it that it does what it does. And I think it's a really incredible uh, event that takes place. It's just a shame that there are still some nations or islands that are being uh, left out. And that's not for anyone's fault. That's just the reality of it, I guess. Is there somewhere that you've worked or been involved in or that you know of that, that would be like a perfect fit for an Island Games football tournament who aren't in there at the moment? um no because of the geography so obviously in terms of the actual ability to compete the the spirit of it and the sense of you know and i being an island being a huge part of their identity all the micronesian islands that i work with pompeii yap chuk koshrai that would be ideal you know that they, they, they would feel a sense of community just in the fact that they are islands that's how that's how they see themselves they that's a big part of who they are and the opportunity to compete in something like this would be a dream for them but as i say who's going to fund that and i totally understand why uh that wouldn't be an opportunity with the island games but um i do think it's yeah it's one of those institutions that you look at from the outside you think it's kind of a miracle that it exists <laughs> and it is brilliant it's absolutely brilliant and uh, i i definitely will rave about it to anyone who'll listen because i think the stories of these teams when you actually look at what the heart and soul of football is this is where it is you know it's teams like these these are players are competing for the love of the game there's, there's not multi-millionaire players here playing for money. This is all just wanting to compete, wanting to be a part of, of, of a football community. And I think that's really special. Oh, awesome. And, uh, yeah, I know uh, following you on Twitter, you know, the, the, the projects that you um, that you kind of get involved in and, and promote, you know, the, the reaction and the interest from from football fans uh, is is amazing. And I'm, I'm sure, you, you know, you find that um, kind of at the heart of it. Do, do you think the Island Games, the football tournament, the Island Games has the potential to to kind of, yeah, I don't know. Attract a bit of outside interest and, and generate a bit of um, uh, a bit of enthusiasm from from different parts of the world who yeah who aren't necessarily connected to it. Oh, I really hope so. And some of the, I mean, just the list of names competing in in uh, the, the football competitions on the men's and women's side are so evocative. You know, they're places people want to hear more about. Um, I talk quite a lot about Greenland. I've had a, a relationship with Greenland for a few years. I've uh, I was lucky enough to visit the national championships a few years back and stay in touch with their national coach, uh, Morten Rutja. And what this represents for Greenland or has represented over the years is, is, is amazing. But also the fact that you can have a place as, as unique and exciting as Greenland coming to, to Guernsey, it gives a real flavour to the tournament. You know, something really special there. 
whether this will be Greenland's, uh, you know, whether they'll continue competing here if they were able to get into CONCACAF, which I think is, is certainly their their current focus. Uh, it may be that they go the way of Gibraltar and they're, they're brought into the FIFA fold. But what this will have done in the meantime for Greenland is just absolutely like you, you can't put a price on it to have that kind of competitive outlet for them while they try and hopefully get themselves into into FIFA's ranks. Yeah, there are other. Well, do you know of any others involved that that are sort of pursuing that kind of that line and, and trying to get yeah more recognition kind of globally? Um, there are very few that would that would qualify. Um, funnily enough, I'd say the, the the guys that that would be most obvious would be would be Jersey. Uh, but there's obviously a big history there, and there's a lot of complexity. And UEFA is very much a closed shop, you know, in a way that. CONCACAF and other federations aren't. Uh, UEFA has very clearly closed its doors. Uh, otherwise, I'd say Jersey would be an ideal candidate. They're a real anomaly in certain ways um, globally to be in the position they're in. Um, I know St. Helena were exploring the Africa route, CAF, but again, it's an incredibly difficult and politically fraught um, avenue to explore. And I, I don't see any any sort of short-term way in and, and again that's what the island games does in a way as it provides something for uh places that any other route is 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 unlikely but also is is possibly decades of of effort to even sort of get a get a place at the table for, for some of these places because of the political connotations because of the complexities of of uh uefa politics fifa politics you know it's very it, it's a very tough thing and in the meantime people just want to play football and so this is great they can do that yeah, we hope it's going to be a fantastic tournament. I know you were hoping to, to get across, but you'll be following it from afar, will you? Yeah, I'll be following it from Micronesia. Um, sadly, <laughs> the dates of my tournament in Micronesia happened to clash with the Island Games. I think I, was, <laughs> I can safely say I was the only person who realised that when they uh, <laughs> when they said the dates. I was, I was supposed to be in Guernsey, but um, I will get there one day to the Island Games. It's one of my bucket list things to fantastic. do. Paul Watson there, who is a Bristol City fan, uh, so uh, loves Alex Scott. I was going to say, I thought he was Bristol City. And of course, his brother is uh, Mark Watson, the comedian, who's also a big Bristol City fan. So, uh, yeah, there'll be plenty of uh, plenty of love for Guernsey in that family. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good to see. Um, right. I think that's about as much as we can bring you, I think, on the Island Games um, football tournament. Obviously, the beauty of it is that we'll uh, be seeing a lot of players, a lot of teams for the first time. And we're will be much better versed in about 10 days' time. I just, I mean, obviously we don't want any uh, games uh, cancelled due to a riot or anything, but uh, I think what, you know, if we can get even a small percentage of the non-stop drama of the Ireland Games of 2003, we'll be very fortunate indeed. I mean, I don't know if anybody remembers, on the first day of competition, there was a, uh, a play restarted with a drop ball from which one team scored a goal direct from that drop ball. So the other team was allowed to go and, and score uh, and the guy walked through a static defence, but the keeper kind of jumped at him just as he was shooting and he put the chance wide and never got the chance. Uh, so that was that a, set the tone. That was a scandal on day one uh, and, and things just went on from there. So uh, any kind of entertainment such as that would be great. Yeah, it was an astonishing tournament, wasn't it? I mean, you had Sark involved and, and uh, you know, the, the huge score lines that they uh, yeah, were subjected to. I went to cover Sark's first game, 19-0. Um, and, Is that against uh, Gibraltar? Yeah, it was, yeah. 
tough, tough group. I think it was 19, 17 and 23 or something. They're, they're three games, you know. To be honest, I've been there myself with me and I I'm sure the Sark squad still enjoyed the week uh, and found a way to, to get through it. Um, yeah, it was an extraordinary tournament. Um, I suppose one occasion, we sort of uh, alluded to it so far, stands out above the rest, which was um, an evening fixture between Guernsey's men and Rhodes at the Corbett Field, um, which started but didn't finish. Um, yeah, and it spawned one of the, well, do you think it's the greatest Guernsey Press headline front page? Rhodes Rage? It's certainly up there. I mean, it's all part of the, I think it's all, from a newspaper perspective, you're running on adrenaline the whole week. <laughs> and I think that was just yet another shot of it, wasn't it? <laughs> I think the fact that that headline is emblazoned across above my head and where I sit in the office, um, I'd say is probably the most memorable one, but that's um, more because of the size of it on on the wall above me. But uh, yes, it was was a very good uh, headline. I don't know who actually took the credit for that one in the end. There was a, many, I think, many brains into that. Late, <laughs> late night ones as well. I love that. Two words that took a, took a committee to come up with it, but very good indeed. Um, well, we won't get into the detail of exactly what happened now. I'll leave it to our two guests. I was joined by Tony Vance, who, of course, we heard from earlier. Um, he was a player back then in 2003. And Matt Warren, who was very much the star of the show that week, um, scoring a hat-trick in the final to see Guernsey to that gold medal. Um, but I wanted to start by talking about um, that game against Rhodes at the Corbett Field. Before we talk about the game itself, just take us back to a couple of years before, four years before, because the kind of the seeds of that, um, yeah, that aggro had been sown, hadn't they, in Gotland? Yeah, I remember that game vividly, actually, because um, I got picked on in that game as well. Um, yeah, myself and Grant Chalmers, um, we we were sort of subjected to a few, few instances and, and uh, it was just bizarre, really. I mean, I don't know why they behaved like that, um, in particular to us. I don't know if they saw us as a threat, but I wouldn't say we were a particular threat in 1999. Um, uh, I, the, the things I remember most about the game is um, being over in um, in uh, Gotland. The, the they had a Swedish re- um, professional referee, um, um, and people embarking on their refereeing careers. And there was a young, young, young referee who uh, that was one of his first games whilst being accepted on FIFA and uh, it, it was carnage, you know, we were getting pinched, punched, um, spat at, um, it was doing all sorts off the ball. And I think they got, I think it was about two, I think it was two got sent off yeah, that game. Um, and uh, at the end of the game, I just remember the referee was crying in his, you know, and uh, he was just in, in absolute bits. Um, and he had, he had his sort of referee coach with him, sort of then trying to comfort him and you're thinking, <laughs> yeah, so so that was kind of for me early warning and and you know sort of built up the expectation of the game. You kind of think that four years on it would be a different group of people, or different maybe just ethos, whatever, but um, probably quite quite the opposite. Uh, we, we did go into that game prepared, knowing what it can be like. Um, and I know we made reference to it about what happened in Gotland and what we should be expecting, but obviously we didn't expect it to turn out the way it did. Um, it was just a ridiculous game of football. (laughs) Uh, there's no better way of putting it. Um, very much, I think in reference to what Tony said there about the Swedish referee, I think Wendy Toms was the referee who was most qualified, most experienced referee I think we had in the games at the time. So the decision was that she should then have the Rhodes Guernsey game given that it could get a bit. Uh, fiery, um, which I don't think actually helped 
uh, not through a refereeing ability, but I think through culturally, uh, maybe the respect um, that she had from Rhodes, I don't think went in went in the favour of how they behaved. But it was just it was just crazy. Uh, it's a game we're never going to forget. And as you say, the people that have been there, um, they're not going to forget it either. Yeah, I'd say that the headline in the paper the next day was Rhodes Rage, which has got to be one of the, the, the best, if not the best local um, uh, front page uh, we've had here. Um, just talk us through the, the story of the match then. You could probably uh, spend an hour on this, but how, how early on in, into the game did you realise that it was going to be, uh, well, at least like the one in Gotland or, or well, not worse? Well, 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 I know that it started... From if the they kick actually off. played it, yeah, started pretty much straight, straight, straight from the kickoff. And I remember they went 1 0 up, and it was a brilliant free kick. And if they actually just concentrated on playing football against us, they'd have beaten us. They would have beaten us. Yeah. Because uh, they, they, they were good. They were really good. But just a couple of late challenges. I don't know what started it all off, but I just remember various incidents during the game. Uh, I remember Tony getting pushed. <laughs> into the actual concrete stand uh, at the Corbett Field. He's running at pace, um, which he had before all his ankle injuries. Uh, and then he's just just running down the line, not the ball. And the guy just came in and just just shoved him, like arms just straight out, just shoved him straight into um, concrete. And because of the amount of people that were there as well, right? They were, it was through them into the into the stand. It was just, it was just mental. <laughs> yeah, I think because I landed in the crowd and an old lady end up on the floor she ended up in hospital from it <laughs> um it was horrendous but uh yeah i, th I think it, like was said we were kind of prepared for it a little bit um we'd spoken about it and foul as part of his sort of training um sort of process uh, and uh plan if you like was was to was gear us up for any any eventuality be it you know you've got to run you've got to you know you've got to give everything you can but also reactions uh, to situations so he's a master at uh, you know when you're training giving decisions that are awful can annoy you know yeah. really wind you yeah. up and it's wrong um, <laughs> and he just does it on purpose just to test your mentality and and uh, he was doing that consistently during our training regime to the extent that everyone was virtually wanting to beat each other up you know because they were getting so wound up and and uh, eventually sort of it clicked if you like and, and we were we were very prepared for that. You know, I, I would fear our current, knowing our current group the way that they are, and sometimes what they have to deal with in the English football leagues. Um, I'm not sure many of our players would stay on the pitch against Rhodes, to be honest, because of the, their mentality and, and what, you know, how they are. But uh, what he'd done and given our, our build up to the games and, and the problems we had. Uh, I think an awful lot of credit has to go to him to how he how he got the group together and and we were we were prepared to do anything uh, for each other as well as keep our calm and and uh, and focus in what plainly was ridiculous situations like like we said earlier I think from the kickoff we had the kickoff ball came back to me I, I remember just flicking it past this guy and bang and he's booked within 20 seconds sort of Vinnie Jones yeah, yeah. Um, I mean it sort of rode the tackle but we thought well okay here we go and, but then like was I said sort of 10 minutes in they got a free kick they won the lot and we're in trouble but um, yeah they, they they were they were definitely I don't know you could tell in their eyes <laughs> you could tell uh, that there was something up <laughs> I think a lot of them had actually remember it as well I think they had all like dyed their hair or they had yeah, like streaks in their hair right and mm. they, it was like they were 
they'd psyched themselves up for this game, but like it was a, it was going to be like a war, yeah. um, and that's how they approached it. Um, it was like yeah, WWE, right? <laughs> Six yeah. challenges, waist height, going into just reactions, pushing, punching, spitting, kicking. Yeah, the best, the, the best thing was they because they dyed their hair blue and then it, I think it started raining or yeah. um, and all the dye went in their eyes and they, they started sting they were stinging their eyes and stuff so that was quite funny. Well, that was good. What is, there was that a priest came on to try and pull them off yeah. uh, to sort of like stop the game. It, it, it's just ridiculous. And he started uh, praying, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. retaken penalty by Paul. Yeah. So that then obviously rolled them up. The fact a penalty was given anyway. The fact it was then retaken. Um, it was just. It's just crazy, but they they were they were masters at sort of trying to manipulate situations. So, um, and they they'd worked out that they'd sort of tag team players, you know. So one person would hit someone, and then somebody else would get them. And then um, when when a foul would go in, they'd surround the player so the ref wouldn't necessarily know who it was. Um, so that would happen. And there were instances where sometimes you got you you found yourself in their huddle. And you know, it certainly happened to me, and I know it happened to Tippy, who who eventually lost it. You but yeah. when when they get you in that huddle while you're in there, you're stuck in there. They're 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 kicking you and punching you, um, and and spitting in your face. Um, but you know, and you're trying to get out of this huddle. Uh, it was it was carnage. Um, and I know the poor referee. She she got hit as well um, when they completely lost it. So it was it was an incredible game. Um, I'd love to see the footage again, but from what I was told, they used, they took it away and used it as a FIFA training tool for probably re- still getting rolled out yeah, for, for referees. Yeah, so I, I just don't know where it is, but it would just be gold that X rated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Yeah. I mean, what what was the moment then when it uh, it kind of all came to a head and 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 things. It came clear well, that that game wasn't going to end. Well, they, well, well I think it was when they when she sent off their fifth player because <laughs> uh, they just legally couldn't. And then yeah. I remember we we all sort of stayed together. I think we all sort of got in a group, and it it was just carnage because their players were over the place. And it was at that point no one really knew what was going on because I don't think anyone had really witnessed a game before in local football of five people being sent off and then what actually happens. Um, so the fact it was then being stopped, I think the police came down mm. uh, to the ground. Obviously, the crowd were, but just I think flabbergasted by it all, right? Yeah, they 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 knew that if so many players, and this is quite interesting, the fact they knew this rule must mean that they've practiced it or have been part Come of close it. Before, to but they knew yeah. <laughs> they knew when a certain number are off the field, the game gets abandoned. Um, what they didn't know is that at that point, and we didn't know this, that the team gets awarded the, the victory, the other team. So, uh, or um, I think that's the rules at the time. But they they were literally. I can remember him saying one more and the game's abandoned, you know, and they were literally trying to get sent off <laughs> in the end. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, to a certain degree, it, it really, really helped our progress in the competition and, you know, probably what people thought, you know, and, and the support, because obviously we'd, we'd come off the back of a poor Moretti result and suddenly we had even more island support dust, yeah. um, behind us because of the way we sort of managed to deal with it other sports were taking notice and stuff and and um i think it did funny enough did football in 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 terms of guernsey um a lot of favors because in the past we've never always been 100 percent accepted in the island games for various reasons um so i think i think it went a long way to sort of getting gaining some respect and uh funny enough despite the 
the sort of tackles that we had to deal with, we actually didn't play that much in the game because it was just stop, start, yeah. stop, start. So very bitter. probably saved our legs a little bit, to be honest. And what happened after the game then? Because you're reading the report, um, Big Foul uh, didn't speak to the media afterwards. Uh, I think he said he was too emotional. Um, did you uh, have a sort of debrief in the dressing room or, do, you know... I think we just I can't remember just, to be honest. Leg it. <laughs> yeah. I think we locked the door. Really. Um I know that the ref had to be escorted off and yeah. she was in she was in bits and I don't think she refed again. No. Um from what I can from what I can gather. Um I think I saw her at an awards ceremony a few years later and we had a chat about it. Um but yeah, I think I think that was sadly her last ever game because of it. So um yeah, it was a shame. But I mean, uh, you know, I can remember going home and there was there was um I think it was like a live radio sort of station that they had um and that was going on into all hours people phoning up like phoning sort of thing it's quite interesting it's quite yeah yeah obviously now it would be all over social media yeah. of course but but um yeah no yeah i think we, we had a rest day the next day so it was dusting ourselves down and, and getting ready for the next for the next uh next challenge that's the thing here with fell right the focus was just it was emotional didn't want to say anything but after that game whatever happened happened Right, focus. We've got another game now. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't let us speak to anybody about it. Yeah, just that, that was there's nothing to talk about. Right, it's happened. Yeah. Gone. Um, don't speak about it. Don't need to speak about it. Focus on the Isle of Wight. Yep. Um, and that's who we drew in the um, semis, right? Yeah. Yeah, three-one. That one finished um, again at the Corbett Field. Um, yeah, so in, into the gold medal match, um, which was a, another um, extraordinary occasion for for local football, but for for different reasons, obviously. Um, but yeah. Just give us a sense of, of your memories of, of the occasion itself, because yeah, it was absolutely rammed, wasn't it? So for me, um, that was the best atmosphere I've played in in, in a football game. And that was down at Foots Lane. That and was that, the final. yeah, it was at Foots Lane. Yeah. yeah, and for a game at Foots Lane, given that people are away from the pitch, um, it was electric. Um, I think it was approximately about six thousand people. I think they said seven, nine. Uh, yeah, and it was it was the last event of the games. So all the other sports had finished. So very much like Tony made reference to earlier on the podcast, right? We'd go and support our fellow athletes in other competitions. We do that, and every games we go to, and everyone does it. And so to have, I believe, a lot of the support of the athletes there watching it, the expectations of the game given. This team is the team that played Rhodes. Uh, that whole build-up to it, um, it was just brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think it was a, a culmination of a, an amazing week with so many different types of emotion. Uh, I really enjoyed the matches at the Court Field because the, the crowd was, you know, the Isle of Wight crowd was just incredible. And obviously, we got we got the result that we needed to get to the final. Uh, that was awesome. And then. You know, six, seven thousand people down at Foots Lane. Unfortunately, they weren't allowed on the track, so it wasn't. It it was sort of not as good as it could have been. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, momentum took us into that game and got us the win. Uh, was a turned up and was just you know, <laughs> just it, it, it played the game of his life to be honest. Um, got a hat trick and the Midas touch, which we needed because. We were tired um, in terms of the emotion, I think, everything about it, you know. So whilst I said Rose didn't take much out of us in terms of like our legs, I think the actual emotion of the whole week and, and the expectation, and we raced into a 3-0 lead at half time. And it was almost like everything 
went for us um, in that first half and, and other things during the week as well. A lot of things went for us, to be fair. We were, we had a little bit of luck, I've got to be honest. I mean, even in that final, I think oh, yeah, um, yeah. they we had a twice-taken penalty. Goalkeeper got sent off. Another fellow got sent off um, for arguing as well. Uh, and uh, so they're down to nine men. So we're, we're comfortably three nil up, I think, with nine men. And, and then we hit a brick wall second half and uh, literally couldn't move. And I think I think it was almost like the whole week came to us, and uh, we were kind of hanging on to be honest. Even though they had nine men, I know it sounds ridiculous. I think they scored, but we we closed the game off in the end, and and uh, the feeling was just one sort of immense pride, really, um, because of what had happened and and all the emotion, really. And you know, I never experienced anything like it to be honest. Yeah, what what I remember was as you said, right? We had a bit of luck because um, I think the first goal. Um, I think Chris Chamberlain had it out wide um, and for those of you that probably hadn't seen Chris Chamberlain play he was when he could play he, he was he was excellent like, he was brilliant absolute brilliant so I think he skinned his man and crossed it and I hit the ball clean um, but it took a deflection it was quite a deflection so the keeper was sighted gone the wrong way took a deflection just passed him so that little bit of luck got us the first goal in the final um, then when I scored the second, I think I picked it up around halfway and I don't know where I had the legs from. Um, <laughs> it's about when I could run a bit more. Um, yeah, I beat was... a few players and then I think I just lifted it over the goalie and it just sort of like just went into the back, which was... To say that I scored a goal like that in the final, I was very, very, <laughs> very happy. That was outstanding, to be fair. Um, yeah. And then I, I think it was... I, I thought we were 2-0 up and then they... I think that was it at half time, and I think they scored to bring it back to two one. Okay, and then we got the penalty. So I think they were raging about that. Ah, uh, right. And then, if I remember correctly, I'm sure TC will <laughs> correct us if we're we'll, wrong. We'll go back through the uh, yeah, uh, and and the report. Yeah, then there was there was a retaken penalty, and that I don't know what time in the game that that penalty was, but I remember obviously I took the one against Rhodes, so it was one where we were one one with Rhodes. Paul Nobs scored his, the penalty to equalise, uh, but he had to have that retaken. He wasn't too keen on retaking it. So when we got another penalty, he didn't fancy it, so I took it. So going into the final, and there's a penalty, I thought it was time for a hat-trick. Put the ball down, confident. And I hit it, it was still going in the corner. The keeper somehow got to it, nearly hit his head in the post, I think, trying to save it. And I thought, oh, and then the linesman was flagging. I was like, oh, lovely. I've got another crack at this. I love that. <laughs> and I obviously didn't make a mistake the second time around. Um, but yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was a great game. And as, as Tony says, right, we, we were holding on. Um, when when they got back to 2-1, we, we were pinned back, uh, for what I remember. Um, mm. But again, through the ups and downs of the training, the build-up, the games up to date, uh, and, and leading us to the final, um, we just were set. We knew our roles. We knew what we needed to do. Um, and Fallard used the squad really well throughout the games. Uh, I think everyone was rotated. Everyone played their part in it uh, to get us where we were. So when we were actually playing that final, even though we were under the cush, it was, we knew what we were doing. I didn't think at any point we were going to lose this because um, we were trusting every single one of the guys out there, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, I think on, on about 60 minutes, my legs had gone. <laughs> Um, to be honest, and I just went over to Fowl and said, get someone on. <laughs> um, because I just didn't think I could do it any more justice for us. Um, and that was kind of like what we had within the group. 
it wasn't there wasn't any sort of selfishness or self you know people thinking about themselves oh it's a fine I'm gonna try and pretend and, and con my way yeah. playing 90 minutes and you know we had a group and I think I don't know can't remember who came on for me but it, it improved us you know <laughs> so uh, we got over the line and as I said it's it's one of the most amazing experiences to to uh, to enjoy and remember to be honest and you know, certainly being involved with the, the team at the moment, uh, they're they're going to be under incredible pressure. But if they can, if they can sort of focus and uh, get a bit of luck and momentum together, it could, it could prove to be the best experience of their life. But it could also be the worst, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, that's 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 what we do sport for. Roll the um, dice, yeah, yeah, exactly. You roll the dice, and you know, uh, fortunately in two thousand and three. It landed on a six for us um, every game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where, where does it rank? Obviously, you've been yeah, involved yeah, heavily in, in, in Ireland football as a player, now as a coach, off the field as well in terms of GFC and, and getting that project off the ground. But when you look back at all the occasions you've been involved in in all the weeks, I mean, where does 2003 rank? Uh, from a playing point of view, top number one. Uh, I don't think you'll... It, could ever get beaten to be honest and uh, just the whole week itself um, I'd love to go back tomorrow and, and experience it or you know sort of have my children enjoy enjoy the experience and see it as well that would be amazing uh, but um, yeah no by far the top just just purely because what you have to deal with and what you have to what you have to go through um, so uh, yeah incredible memories yeah, Matt, for you, yeah, performing the way you did in the final in front of, you know, what, what must be one of the biggest crowds that we've had at a football match here for, for decades. Yeah, um, uh, it, it, it's number one. Yeah. Um, I was very fortunate uh, to be involved with a great group of players that represented, um, it's obviously the England amateur team who we went to Croatia, and that as an experience was absolutely amazing. Uh, obviously all kitted up in England, all paid for, going over and representing. But... We didn't win anything with them. Um, we represented, it was great, it was a wonderful experience. But given this was the home games, given everything we'd gone through in the build up to the build up to the tournament, actually the tournament itself, flying high with all the goals we were scoring, the game against Rhodes, um, it was just built every single game was just building up to this occasion. Um, and then to perform like we all collectively did um, as a squad was just yeah perfect finish for it right and then it was the end it was the last thing so we all then got our medals and went to the closing party it was nearly as good as the opening, opening was <laughs> well it's funny yeah because I mean again from memories for me I, I was fortunate enough to be offered the opportunity to carry be the water carrier for the for the team as well you know at the actual closing ceremony which was a, an amazing honour for the entire Guernsey team um, so that finished off the week for me. Like was I said, then it should be just party time, and quite sadly, I bailed out very early <laughs> because I was I was gone. You were not so, like Jack Grealish. Yeah, so yeah, there was no Jack Grealish for me. Um, but I think that probably proves what the week was. In fairness, is that um, I couldn't cope with a with a celebratory uh, party because I was just absolutely shot if, with emotion and. You know everything, so um, everything to it, right? yeah, amazing. As I said, fantastic and lucky. You know, very lucky. 
Tony Vance and Matt Warren with their memories there of Guernsey 2003. Um, as you say, if we get anywhere near the level of drama, excitement and, and glory for Guernsey um, this time around, um, then we'll have done well. Um, thanks very much, guys, um, for your time. We'll be back with a full Guernsey 2023 um, podcast preview uh, next week. Comprehensive coverage in the paper as well, um, in the build up to the games and during it, of course. Um, stay tuned to our social channels at GSY Press Sport and at Guernsey Press um, for lots and lots of content. Again, in the build-up and throughout the week, um, we've got athlete preview videos. And also keep an eye out on those channels as well each night. I'll be hosting a Games Roundup program live on Facebook um, with uh, the best of the action um, from Team Guernsey each day and a flavour of the games as well. So um, yeah, the Guernsey Press uh I will biasly say will be the best place to follow uh, the Island Games this summer. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers, Tony. Thanks.